In today's show, I'm looking at the first round for fantasy basketball drafts. Who I would consider taking, why I would consider doing it, all different formats. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So, first round. Let me just go and say this right now. The first round is not as important as you think. It is not important enough for me to do a show on. Straight up. If you're going to turn this show off now, I get it, right? Don't. Let it play through. Watch it. You're like hearing about the big names. But in terms of how you win a fantasy league, it's not what happens. It's not how you win it. The first round's not not where it's at. It's about getting value later on. It's about being smart. It's about being lucky. It's not about the first round. It's less so about the second round. The first round, the amount of attention that we devote to it, as a fantasy basketball analyst community, as a fantasy basketball playing community, is disproportionate. We shouldn't. It doesn't matter. Honestly, And if someone gets hurt and is out for the season, what can you do about it? That's how you lose in the first round. These guys aren't probably going to take gigantic steps forward or gigantic steps back. And even if they do step back 10 spots or 15 spots, you can deal with it. You can recover from it. You can. So... Saying all that, I do this video because I know people want to know about it. I know that people like hearing about the big names. I know that people want to focus on the first round, but I have to throw that caveat out there that don't hyper-focus on it. Oh, I've got pick six or seven. What am I going to do? You've got probably five options, six options, and they're all going to be okay. I have that mentality that we focus that the draft is 90% of what we do. We focus that the first round is 60% of the draft. And I think both of those things are false. So we do it. It's draft time. We love it. Drafts are fun. They're awesome. It's all, such good time. But it's not It's not what you do to win. It's not the overall deciding factor in any of that stuff. Look at me. Just telling you all of the great things that well, I'm not going to do in this show. Um, but we are going to talk Yahoo Points Leagues. We're going to talk ESPN Points Leagues. We're going to talk Rotisserie Leagues. And we're going to talk Head-to-Head Category Leagues. Now, there are going to be differences in your league if you throw multiple different categories in there. I am going to go out to the, I say first round, but I'm going to go to top 20 in case you're playing a 20-team league. I want everyone to play 12-team leagues. It simplifies my job. It simplifies all of our jobs or all of our interactions. When you can tell me I've got pick 2.3, I know what that is in a 12-team league. In a 14, I don't know if you're in a 14 or a 16 or an 18. It's very different. I think 12 should be something that we just absolutely want to focus on consistently. But I'm going to go out to 20 here. I'm going to talk a little bit about tiering. I'll talk a little bit about some of the methodology that I use to get to some of these numbers. And there are going to be ones that you disagree with wholeheartedly. And that's totally okay because you know what happens? Every year, 
the first 20 players don't represent A, the first 20 players from the season before. That's even if we understand how the rankings work, as I did in my video about Durant. And the top 20 players per game and totals definitely do not represent the top 20 players in average draft position or Yahoo X rank or anything. It changes quite a bit. Whether it's two positions, five positions, 10 positions, it changes. So when you see things that look... I'm not going to come out and say, well, this is what the ADP list looks like. So here is your first round. It's not what it is about. So we are going to start this off by talking about Yahoo and Yahoo points leagues. Oh, actually, will we? No, we might do this so I don't interrupt the flow. We'll just do it and talk. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio Sportsbook. The NFL season is less than a day away. The Chiefs and the Lions are ready to go tomorrow. Might be today when you listen to this. You can get incredible offers over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and you get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. But all customers, every customer, if you bet $5, you get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. NFL Sunday ticket doesn't exist here. Does NFL Sunday ticket only have Sunday games? Does the Thursday night game pop up on it? Does the Monday night game on it? I don't know. I know NFL Game Pass, we get everything here. But who knows? All you guys get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket if you spend $5 and bet $5 on FanDuel. It is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything. Spreads, totals, over-unders, player props, it's all there. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right, that will bring us into talk about the uh, Yahoo points. So, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, let's go through starting at 20, counting down to one. Some, uh, uh, should I do it now? Yeah, let's talk about it now because some of my methodology, right? The hardest thing for me to project is games played. It's actually impossible. We can look at players' track records. I've done analysis on this. The year-to-year correlation of games played is very low. It's not statistically relevant. The ones you really worry about are the guys that you know are going to be out to start the season or you know are going to have injury management plans this season. That is where you have to have a level of caution. But being hurt for 15 games three years in a row does not mean you're hurt for 15 or 20 this coming year. There are, again, little individual situations we can look at and pay attention to regarding past injuries and recurrence possibilities. But the games played analysis that I've done for two years in a row, going back four to five years each time, has shown there is no statistical significant correlation between games played. Oh, sorry. There's a very, very weak correlation between games played and games played the next season. Very weak. So it's there. But when talking R squared, it was like, I think, 0.3 or 0.2 or 0.4, whatever. It was less than 0.5, low, low, low number. So when I'm doing this, I'm looking at my per game Yahoo points projection numbers. I'm looking a little bit at my totals projections, and I'm weighting those two things together. I'm not going strictly off totals because it's impossible to predict games played. We can get a little bit of an idea of it, but it is impossible to do that. And then also remembering that when someone gets hurt, you've got the ability to bring a waiver wire guy in or use that spot for streaming. So instead of using that one player for four games, you can use that waiver spot for seven games, six games, whatever it is. So even if the player coming off the waiver wire averages 25 fantasy points, 
You don't get 25 times four. You might get, which is 100 points for the week, you might get 150 points for the week. And that means if you're, if you're the top guy that goes down who averages 50 points and he would only play three games, well, you made it up. So while it is frustrating to have those injuries hit you, there are ways that you can deal with it. When you get the problem was when you have multiple injuries and you don't have the ability to stream consistently for all those spots to make up for it. That's where more of the problem comes in. So again, I'm doing a weighting between per game production and my projected totals production, weighting heavier towards the per game number to give us where these rankings sit. A lot, to talk, a lot of talking there. So at number 20, I am going with old mate Pascal Shakim for now of the Toronto Raptors. Probably sees a little bit more usage with the absence of Fred Van Vliet, but Barnes and Trent and Ananobi and even Dennis Schroeder. What a Schroeder shoot today in the World Cup, like four of 30 or something. Um, he's going to take shots as well. So Shaquem, I've got to stop calling him. I, I know his name is Siakam. There was that viral clip of that lady calling him Shaquem uh, not long ago. Um, anyway, so I, I've got him there at number 20, which I think is fair enough. Probably like a 42 to 44 fantasy point player around that mark. Could he push to 50? I doubt it. But if we're talking pick 20, that's where he's at. Pick 21, I've got... Sorry, pick 21, Jesus. Let's count the other way, Josh. Count down. Number 19, Don Mitchell. He's Don. He's good. Mitchell is... I think he was really good last season. He saw a gigantic step up in efficiency. What did worry me a little bit was as the season went on, his assist numbers started to tail away and his numbers overall came down. It's really hard to find an argument here against Mitchell at 19. He should be healthy, but we can't guarantee that. Number 18 is the double royal himself, Julius Randle. Randle had off-season ankle surgery. It shouldn't slow him down too much. He's a significantly better points league guy than he is category league player because of his inefficiency and lack of defense. Even if Jalen Brunson does take the lead in usage on this team, it was like 26 each last season and Randle's usage actually increased as the season went on. He's still going to do a lot. And he's still going to be really good for points leagues. And he's one of those guys that when you see ADPs and ranks, he's one of those players that the numbers are all over the shop because they try and split the middle and it never makes sense. So don't be afraid in the Yahoo Points League to go early on Julius Randle. Number 17, it is the legend himself. LeBron James. Now LeBron is way better than this on a per game basis, significantly better. But his health, given his age is definitely one where I can say 65 games feels like a pipe dream. Maybe he hits it. I don't know. But I really, really doubt it. Like, I think he's a top eight, top seven per game player for points leagues. So he's taken a significant hit down to 17. But if you wanted Randall or Mitchell or Siakam ahead of him, no problem at all. All these guys are very, very close to each other. Then at number 16, it is Devin Booker, who I think will cop somewhat of a hit in usage. My general working theory is that the number one and number two guys, Booker and Durant, stay sort of steady. They'll lose a bit. They stay sort of steady. And the number three guy, Bradley Beal, loses uh, the bigger chunk of usage, which is why I worry a bit about Porzingis. It's why I worry, worry about Beal. I worry about Aiton. I worry about Bam Adebayo if Dame goes to Miami. All right, so I worry a little bit about Booker losing usage, but I also think that he can offset some of it by getting assists. Could he average seven in a game? Maybe. I think he's a better passer than Bill. So I've got Booker at 16 there uh, for the Yahoo Points Leagues. 
Let's go to the next group of five. At number 15 is Kevin Durant. Like Booker, I expect a small hit in his usage. His health is a big concern quite clearly. I would not be looking at Durant as a first-round player in a Yahoo Points League. I think he's more of like a 44 to 47 points per game guy. Um, You give him a little bit of a ding here for um, health concerns, which have been a real issue with his knees over the last three to four years. So I've got him there at 15. I've got Steph at number 14. Steph Curry, of course. What other Steph would it be? Steph Curry at number 14. Historically, Steph has not been the greatest fantasy points league player. He's been okay. He's more of a back-end first, early second-round guy. But given his age, 35 and a half, is he older than Durant? No, he's like six months. He's six months older. Six months older, a bit more, seven months older than Durant. He has also been missing a lot of games. Like, do both of these guys get to 60? Do they get to 65? How much does that impact things? Like, these guys have had legit injuries. Like, not, not bullshit stuff. They've had legit injuries. So that drops him down quite a bit. I've got LaMelo Ball sitting at number 13. I've got him a little bit higher than that on a per-game basis. I'm not really worried about the ankle problem, but he has had the wrist issue, which has bothered him. He's not a guy that I think is going to play 78 games, but I don't look at him as a, wow, this is a huge risk. He's going to play 40. Really hard to project someone to play 40, though, unless it's Jar Morant, because we know he's already missing 25. Number 12 is Trey Young. I think Trey is probably not quite that level as a first-round player per game. He's probably more mid-second round. But he is a guy who has shown... It's not about staying healthy necessarily, but when he gets injured, he's shown an ability to recover quicker than most people. And that does count for something. I can't say that he's going to avoid breaking a hand or pinging a hammy or tearing an ACL, knock on wood for all of those things. I can't predict any of that. Or copping a concussion. But I do know that when he's had ankle sprains, he's back a week ahead of standard recovery times repeatedly, not once off, like two, three, four times that has happened. So that makes me go, ah, all right, there is something about him that is a little bit quicker as a healer. So I give him a little bit of a games played boost. And then at number 11, that is the traditional 12-team first round guy. He's there. Again, if you want to get any of these other guys, they're all relatively close. Number 11, I'm going to take Demontis Sabonis. You saw me do a mock draft for Yahoo Points these the other day, and I took Sabonis at 12. More than happy to do that again. He's played through that broken thumb issue last season. Again, that doesn't mean that he's going to not sprain his knee or break his leg or pull his hamstring or tear a calf or dislocate a shoulder. None of that means any of that. But I don't have a lingering concern of repeated lower body injuries for Sabonis. So I've got him sitting there at number 11 inside the first round for Yahoo Points League. Now we do the top 10. At 10, it is Goose, Anthony Edwards. Edwards has some efficiency concerns. He's not a great free throw shooter yet. That could easily come. He's not a great field goal guy. It's not dreadful. But in points league, that doesn't matter that much. The risk I think there is here with him in points leagues is with Towns projected to play more than 30 games, does Edwards' usage not either jump from last season or does it actually come backwards a little bit from last season? I think there's a risk of that. But I also think in year four, Edwards has established himself clearly as the number one player, that he'll at least be able to stay the same usage, hopefully bump efficiency, which of course in points things isn't a direct ding, but when you increase it, you increase your scoring. So that should help there. So I got him at 10. Damian Lillard is a really tough one to place at the moment because we just, we, we don't know where he's going. 
Oi, Damo, give us your lighter. But if Lillard is not traded, I expect that he plays in Portland, and he is still really good. I've got him at number nine here. If he goes to Miami, it'll be very similar to a Durant and Booker situation where it'll be Bam at a bio, I think, taking the bigger step back. Butler takes somewhat of a step back, and Lillard takes a smaller step back. And if you wanted to take Anthony Edwards or Sabonis ahead of Damian Lillard, go for it. Right, Not, not a problem at all. The uncertainty is a real issue, for sure. But I'm less worried about his uncertainty than I am, say, with Jimmy Harden. At number eight, I have Tyrese Halliburton. Why is Halliburton, who comes in with an ADP on Yahoo of six, why have I got him down this far? I actually think he's worse than this on a per-game basis. I'm not worried about the injury that hurt him last season. He had a significant injury, and then he came back, and they tanked for the last 10, 15 games, whatever it was. But he's just not as good of a points league player. He's not going to be a 28 usage guy. He's not going to be averaging 30 points. He gets it done in other areas, efficiency, steals, assists, which doesn't translate as well through to a points league setting. So he's at number eight. Um, Last season, he averaged like 44 fantasy points. Fewer fantasy points than Durant, fewer than Curry, fewer than Trey Young, fewer than Kyrie, fewer than Jimmy Harden, who I didn't even have in this top 20, about the same as Siakam. But I feel like he can jump a little bit this season and play more of those games and push him up here. At number seven, I have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shea was sixth in per-game numbers last season. Got you to 50 fantasy points. I've got him at seven in this one. I, I just I do think that there is... Taking such big steps forward in efficiency was huge for him. Both field goal and free throw percentage, which, of course, doesn't count for Yahoo points, but it does mean that you put more points on the board. So I worry that if they've got... If they, if they can't go up, and the only way they can go is down, then that could impact his overall scoring. I'm not really worried about Chet Holmgren taking usage, but what I am worried about is Chet Holmgren taking blocks opportunities and some rebound numbers away from Shea. And I don't know what happens with Giddy or Jalen Williams, whether that improves. So I've just got Shea just knocking down a little bit. But again, no problem. If you want to go hide in this on him, I've just got him at seven. And then at six, it is Jace Tatum, who has never suffered a significant injury. Yet, he's a pretty strong option. He was eighth in per-game fantasy numbers. But the difference between eight and seven, sorry, eight and nine, which was Lillard, was 0.7 fantasy points per game. Nothing. Then the difference between Tatum to LeBron at eight versus seven. LeBron averaged over 50 fantasy points last season. The difference there is 0.5. Like, it's not that much. And then between Tatum at eight and Shea at six, the difference there is 0.6. So these are so close. So go whichever direction you want. At number five, it was a larger gap from Tatum at eight up to Anthony Davis at five. It was 2.1 points, fantasy points. But that's not insurmountable. And that's the top. Now we go to the top five. This is a long podcast. I didn't realize I was going to go this long on it. Number five, Anthony Davis. He was really good last season. He averaged 52 fantasy points. I think that probably dropped somewhat. But I also think when we look at what Davis did last season... Do we expect him to play fewer games? He really only had one injury. I think he only missed five other games that weren't that big injury. And then two of those five or six, maybe I'm miscounting that. But two of those games were back-to-backs as his uh, road to recovery return from that injury. So he didn't have all those niggling little things that kept him out multiple times. He had a significant injury, came back and played through most of it. 
Would I take Davis at five? I, I consider it. I think his fantasy production showed that it was that good last season. I project him to be that good this season. His ADP is at 11. But of course, there are guys who are safer. Is the guy that is ahead of him on this list safer? Giannis and I don't know. Giannis is one of those guys where I go, oh, he, he's not playing 70. There's no way. He just won't do it. Another knee, knee surgery in the offseason. There's been a problem that... It, this, now, this is not a knee surgery to fix it. This is a knee surgery to maintain it. He doesn't go, well, yeah, the surgery is good to go. No, no, no. This is a long-term, ongoing, never-ending problem for Giannis. And I've said this for about three years on this show. He is still awesome for fantasy. He averaged... He was fourth in fantasy points per game, averaging 55. No reason he can't do it again. Get the blocks and steals up a little bit. He can get to around that number again. He could be even second on a per-game basis. But the knees and the games missed will push him down to meet at number four. Number three, who could very easily be number two. Oh, stunning. Yeah, yeah. it's Luka Doncic, who's at number three. Luka did suffer a bit of a dip once Kyrie came across. The assist dropped relatively significantly, which is important to note. He averaged almost 57 overall fantasy points. He was the number one player. And I've got him down at number three because of that Kyrie factor. And Luka... Also someone that has had a lot of ankle and calf problems. I think calf, yeah, a lot of ankle problems though. Two is Embiid, cool. Even if Harden does leave and they don't replace him necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean Embiid's going to be the number one guy. He could suffer. He had that foot problem at the start of last season as well. He's been relatively healthy, but not as healthy as the guy who is at number one. Although, Jokic missed some time last season. Jokic, I've got back at number one here, even though I've got him projected per game at number three. It's really hard to go wrong with these guys, honestly. Last season, like my projections have them all within like a single fantasy point. Last season, the difference between Jokic, Doncic, and Embiid was, let's calculate that, it was 1.1 fantasy points. It's not that big of a difference. So I've got Jokic coming in at number one over there for Yahoo points. Wow, this, that was long. Sorry. Did you skip through now to look at ESPN points? Because that's where we're at. Different scoring system over at ESPN. They value steals and blocks a little bit higher. They have negative points for missed shots as well. So efficiency comes into it. So you'll see things a little bit different. And I think when we do the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl this season for the points league, we're going to use ESPN point scoring. I think that's what we're going to do. But still deciding that. Number 20 is the burner. Jalen Brunson, who was obviously really strong last season. He had unbelievable three-point shooting down the stretch, which helps in ESPN points these because you get that little bit of a boost in terms of the um, overall uh, scoring and the, the less of the decrease from missing. On ESPN, he is ranked relatively highly at 30, but I, I still think there's great value in that, obviously, because I've got him in the top 20. Donnie Mitchell comes in at number 19. He's sitting at 18 at the moment on ESPN's ADP. So right about that area, I just spoke about him. That's why it took a long time because I had a lot of players to talk about. Number 18 over on ESPN is uh, the big fella himself, LeBron James, who, again, we have some uh, level of concern about what his production was um, or his games played. And that, look, we don't know what he's going to do in terms of games played. But last season, LeBron was the ninth-ranked player in ESPN Fantasy. If you want to take Mitchell LeBronson over him, cool, do it. 17 is Kyrie Irving. Didn't have him in the top 20 for Yahoo, but I do for ESPN because efficiency matters more. And that's really where Kyrie works. Now, Kyrie could Kyrie. We don't know that. 
His ADP is 24. He hasn't been into the last few years because he's been sitting out for other reasons. Maybe he's okay there. He's just he's an unbelievably good player who has obviously some issues that have caused him to miss a lot of games over the last two to three seasons. And then at number 16, it is Devin Booker, who has an ADP of 20. Kyrie's is 24, if I didn't mention that. Let's go to the next five groups, or next group of five. Number 15 is Kevin Durant, who I have dinged a little bit here. He was eighth per game over on ESPN. We have to ding that a little bit for the uh, missed games, but also the adjustment to playing with Booker because we didn't really see him do that for a huge amount outside of the playoffs. So I'm dinging him down to being under a 50 fantasy point per game guy. But there is a run of guys here. There's about eight or nine players who I think I've got projected within two fantasy points. So just really, really close. Trey Young is at number 14 on an ESPN points league list here. Last season, he was 20th which seems like, you know, why am I bumping him up? Again, there's a little bit of an advantage there in some of his durability and more dinging the guys behind like LeBron pushes him up. 13 is LaMelo Ball, who last season was 17th on a per-game basis. I think he improves from there. And I've got him up as almost a first-round guy. 12 is Anthony Edwards. And 11 is DeMontis Sabonis for your ESPN point season. And if I look at Sabonis, he's got an ADP of 18 and Edwards has got an ADP of 22 over there. So both of those things are working in your favor to get some value on those guys. And where's LaMelo? He's got an ADP of 17 as well. So quite a a bit of value appearing there over on ESPN with their current ADPs. Number 10 for an ESPN points league, I have got Steph sitting there. Curry was 10th last season in per game numbers. I bumped a couple of guys ahead of him that weren't there, but he sits there at 10. I've got Shea at number nine. Now, again, you look at that and go, what are you, what are you talking about, Josh? An ADP of, he's got an ADP of seven. He was seventh in, no, sorry, fifth last season in ESPN per game. I think what we look at with Shea is that people look at it and go, well, the games he missed in the past, they were fake injuries. They weren't. He had two injuries last season, the knee injury in the preseason, and then he had a hip injury, I believe it was, through March that caused him to miss some time. But the year before, he had a legitimate foot injury, which kept him out for a long period of time. So well, if we're going to ding other guys for not staying healthy, you still have to ding Shea. Every, those games that he missed were not... Maybe there was a little bit of extra caution, but he was legitimately injured for the Thunder. So he doesn't get a, you are completely healthy all the time. He wasn't even healthy last year. He had two injuries. And if that MCL sprain came at opening night instead of the start of the preseason, well, we'd be singing a different tune about Shea, I think. All about timing. All about timing. Um, Damian Lillard is at number eight. Again, there's a level of uncertainty, so if you want to pass on it, I get it. He was actually seventh per game for ESPN points last season. Number seven is Jason Tatum, who last year was 12th. Not the greatest ESPN points league guy. I guess he can take a little bit of a hit if Porzingis, well, with Porzingis there, we don't know how much Porzingis is playing. We assume he's going to be all right, but he's dealing with the plantar fasciitis. So Tatum gets into seven, but it's mainly on the back of fewer concerns than the other guys. Number six is Anthony Davis, who averaged 52 and a half. He was fourth in per game for ESPN. Yeah, that's great. We, we knock it down a little bit just because of some of his injury history, clearly. And the top five for ESPN points leagues, it's number five, Yanni. We've t- I spoke about my concerns with him already. Tyrese Halliburton, big jump here. He was actually 11th in per game numbers, but I'm giving him a little bit of a um, durability boost. And I'm also giving him a bit of a per game increase. Second year, 
in Indiana, fourth year in the league, maybe just does a little bit more across some other areas. And then the top three remains the same. Doncic at three, Embiid at two, Jokic at one. Jokic was the number one player last season by a pretty sizable margin, three fantasy points per game over the guy who was at number two, which was was Luka Doncic. So I'm just going with that same grouping um, with Jokic one, Embiid two, and Doncic three. But if you go, I really want to have Doncic or I really want to have Embiid and I've got pick one, don't worry about it. Take him. It's not costing you the world, I don't think. It's, uh, it might, but I don't think it is. That will bring us to talk category leagues. Points league, guys, it's been great having you here. I'll see you on the next time. We're here. See you later. Bye. Category, guys. How are you? Let's talk Roto. I am looking at this from an 8-cat Roto perspective. I don't believe that 9-cat Roto is a league that is a format that should really exist, to be honest. And even if you fully weight turnovers in a 9-cat Roto setting, you just, you generally will have two to three people start to give up, not set their lineup, not hit their games max. And they're the guys that start to get the 12, 11, 10 points. So you've got a compressed field there anyway. So if you are last or second last in turnovers in a 9-cat Roto, the best team doesn't have 12. They're probably maxing out at eight, I would say. So it's not as big of a deal. It's not as big of a deal. And we already know the negative correlation, the highest correlations of anything, is between points and turnovers and points and assists. Sorry, uh, and assists and turnovers. So if you are seeking out to deliberately keep your turnovers low, you will invariably, not invariably, there might be some exceptions, but as a general rule, you will keep your points and your assists lower Two categories versus one trade-off. I just will ignore a lot of the turnover stuff. But also, there's no need for turnover. You don't need a ninth category for a tiebreaker in Roto. You don't need it. You don't, it doesn't need to be there. Let's look at the top 20. Actually, let me. what, what am I doing for um, Roto? How am I looking at it? Well, I'm using um, a bit of a formula that I've developed where I don't think minus one is appropriate for Roto we're not punting a category, although in a competitive league and a deeper league, you can punt a category and win. It's not that easy, but you can do it. I'm looking at more of a, it's not even a minus one. How would I call it? What do I phrase it as for Roto? Where I'm looking at the player's worst category and half weighting it in Roto. Because Roto, while we look at it, you've got to be competitive in all categories. So that makes us, and I think this has been something that I've been guilty of as well in the past, looking at, well, I want players who are solid across the board. I want guys who are just strong, average players in every category, above average players. That's the perfect Roto guy. And I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true. Because A, there's only so many of those players around. But B, if you get a player who's great in five categories and average in four, and then the next guy you get is great in those other four categories and average in the other five, well, that's way better than getting two players who are just average across the board. It's way better. So looking at the average production, like those guys who are just solid across everything, I don't think is the winning formula for Roto. I think you can look for the big bumps. You've got to watch the big gigantic negatives and be able to deal with those. And that, that is still an impact thing. That's why you won't see Giannis here. But I, I think that we look at the, the idea of Roto means we've got to be balanced right across the stat sheet. In overall, our team does. All 13 of our players, or our 10 actives, whatever it is, how we're counting the stats. Yeah, we need to be average to above average in probably all, all categories. 
but you don't get to above average in all categories by every player being above average in all categories. You can get there many different ways. And focusing solely just on guys who are good across the board without anyone without any weakness, I think is probably not the right way to look at it. It requires different building, of course. So what are we doing? How am I weighting my Roto ranks and my head-to-head ranks? Well, I'm using that sort of a formula. I'm looking at per-game stuff. I'm looking at total numbers. And I'm also incorporating uh, a percentage using my Durant metric, which if you haven't watched that show, talks about the, the fact that the use of Z scores to compare across categories is really majorly useful when those categories are normally distributed and categories aren't normally distributed. So I applied some transformations to get some approximate normalization across those categories to give us, I hope, a better understanding of what I think might be closer to true value of players. We don't know how that's going to work out. I think I'm on the right track. The majority of people, vast majority of people who have reached out with statistics backgrounds have said, yeah, that's that's what we think. We agree, and you are, that is the right way to look at it. So that's what Durant does. It tries to provide some normalization of non-normal distributions to be able to compare and contrast with other categories. So I'm not solely just using Durant here. I'm using a traditional ranking mix and value mix. I'm using a totals ranking mix. I'm using a roto tweak onto it, and then I'm throwing a roto tweaked Durant into that with various rank, uh, various weightings. So Again, take all of these, because you say, well, that's different to how the players actually ranked last season. And the one thing I'll always try to put in your mind, a lot of, dis- a lot of discussion, I always try to put this in your mind, is, well, the player ranked that way because we believe that that ranking formula actually tells us 100% how valuable they were. And I, and I think, even if you don't think that Durant is the correct answer, I think you've got to look at the other one and say, hey, let's have some skepticism here. I don't know if this is 100% correct. So we're trying to take a couple of different approaches, mush them together, see if that gives us something, just as an idea. But even when you're talking categories, finding that this guy is 100% better than this guy by this amount is probably never going to be something that is 100% solved. Probably isn't going to be. That's just the nature of the way that a category fantasy league is played. And in saying all of that, let's look at Roto ranks. At number 20 for Rotisserie, I do have Jaron Jackson there. I know you'll go and see Jaron Jackson ranked extraordinarily highly if you're looking at nine cat numbers from last season. If you look at his ADP or rank on Yahoo, you'll see he's at 12. Under no circumstance do I buy that he is that level of player. I just don't. I've got him at 20. I think he is going to up his scoring this season. Maybe that cops a little bit of a hit with some of his percentages. Does that mean that he drops his block rate down? I'd say that's highly likely given that's what happened second half of last season, does he compensate by playing four extra minutes a night? Well, I think they'd love him to, but he hasn't really shown an ability to do that yet. So I've got him at number 20. Number 19, I do have Demontis Sabonis, who suffers a little bit through his free throw percentage and lack of threes, and obviously horrendous steals and blocks. He's a points, rebounds, assist guy with very good field goal percentage. That has use, it has value, and we've already talked about his ability so far to, to not really have significant recurring injuries. But I've got him at 19. This one is the tough one. It is the fun guy himself, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> now, obviously, Kawhi was rolling as like a top five to 10 player last season, last three months. Absolutely rolling. Dreadful. Out to the top 100 for the first two months or three months. Dreadful. Right? Couldn't just get on the court and was bad when he played but then dominated, back to his normal self. 
And I would have felt much better saying Kawhi was a first-round player if he hadn't have torn his meniscus in the in the playoffs. I expect that he's ready to go start of season, but I think he is going to be sitting some games. And I just have that level of risk there. In a Roto League, your ability to use your bench as an extended IR and bring those bench guys in, you know, uh, you know, theoretically a 100th best player, 120th best player versus a waiver wire, 160th, 170th best player in head-to-head, gives him a little bit of a boost there because you only have to use those 10 actives. You don't have to be churning through your entire roster every day. People will disagree with this one, and, and that's fine. My name is Richie Cunningham. I've got Cade at number 17. He played like 12 games last season. He averaged 20 and 6 with 6 assists. He averaged... Uh, he, he shot really poorly. I, I don't expect... Again, if you want to argue that he was bad last season, you have to tell me and argue that you think he will remain a 28% three-point shooter. You can't make that argument, right? You also have to assume that he also doesn't improve hitting into year three. You also have to make the argument that he sits at 0.7 steals, which I think that none of those things are real. I don't think any, I don't think you can argue those things in good faith. You probably need to take Kate at number 17, but I think he's got an outside chance of being a first-round guy. He's an elite free-throw shooter. I think he gets the shooting back on track from the field, and he already racks up big counters. Never going to be a good blocks guy, but the steals can go back up. It's risky to take him at 17, and you don't have to. He just doesn't go in that area, which is, you know, it's good for us, I guess. Where is his current ADP? It's at 44, like, which is crazy. But I think he does suit fantasy very, very well. At number 16, I do have Devin Booker. We've talked enough about him, I think. Let's look at the next five. Don Mitchell at 15. Trey Young at 14. Kyrie at 13. Anthony Davis at 12, and Anthony Edwards at number 11. Spoken about all these guys here, you could make a very easy argument that Davis should pump a little bit higher than this, given the ability to deal with some injuries uh, on a roto bench. The Durant metric, I believe, wasn't as wasn't as in love with um, with Tone Davis uh, there. Yeah, like Durant does bump him down a little bit, so that's part of the reason that he sits there at number 12. And then Goose at number 11, we know about some of the downsides there. I do think there will be some improvement from Edwards. Uh, the Durant metric does like him decently enough. It would be risky to take him at 11, absolutely. But I think that that's a fair enough positioning. Now, in saying all of this, there is there are tiers to these guys. So I think that Edwards, Davis, Irving, and Trey are all in the same tier of player. I actually think that Mitchell, Booker, and Cade are all in the same tier behind them. But when I'm looking at my Roto tiers here, these are like a tier six group. So I've got Mitchell's in seven. So like Trey, Kyrie, Davis, and Edwards, all in a similar group. And as we will always, again, like to say, like you might not think Trey is there, which is fine. Is he 20th? Is he 25th? Is the gap in that all that different? Guys can jump up. Guys can jump down, remember. But I think using a couple of those different factors, that's where I'm pushing these players. Let's look at the next group. Number 10, I've got Durant, followed by Lillard, Doncic, Steph, and LaMelo Ball at six. Now, that is very high for LaMelo Ball. I understand that. But I'm looking at my projections. I'm looking at my different systems. And he comes out looking really strong. If he plays 60 games and Doncic plays 72, 
well, Doncic will, will fly above here. I am a little worried that Doncic loses some value with Kyrie there. I'm a little worried of the free throw percentage impact of Doncic. And that can be on his level of volume. It can be a real issue. And probably no one would. And to be honest, would I take LaMelo ahead of Doncic? I don't think so. I don't know if I would. I like to bank some consistent counting stats. But nothing's a given. Nothing's a given with any of this. So that's how it's all playing out for me at the moment. I'll probably do another one of these later in the preseason as well. In the top five, I've got Tatum at five. I've got Shea at four. Halliburton, three. Embiid, two. Jokic, one. If you want to tier these guys here, um, I had Doncic, Curry, and Tatum, and Ball all in the same tier. And then I've got um, Shea sitting sort of by himself in that area at number four. And then Embiid and Halliburton in the same tier. And Jokic very much far away from everyone at number one. Doesn't mean he's going to finish at number one, but I don't think he should go a different direction. And now that brings us on to -to head-to-head. Head-to-head, when you look at rankings, again, Yahoo will give you nine category totals rankings from last season, which I think bear absolutely no resemblance to value in a head-to-head league. None. A, totals don't mean anything. You've got to be there healthy during the week. You've got to play the week. You've got to be there in the playoffs. You got you probably have to punt some things. You're not going to win all nine categories every week. Being average in all nine categories every week doesn't help you. So those rankings are nonsense. So you'll see things that look pretty wild here. So I'm using a combination of minus one, of Durant, of Durant minus one, of some totals, of some regular rankings, of some weightings. There's a whole bunch of things going in this to give a list that's going to look a little bit different to what you've seen. At number 20 at the moment, I, I do have Jim Harden. I, I don't really know what to do with him at the moment. It's a frustrating situation. But he did, in, in all those things that I put through, he, he did come in at this area. Um, the guys behind him were Devin Booker, Jordan Poole, Jaron Jackson, Paul George, Fred Van Vliet, all in one tier. And I could very easily make the argument with the uncertainty around Harden. This is expecting Harden to play. But given the uncertainty around Harden, you could put any of those other guys there. 19 is... Oh, not Booker, sorry. Booker, I've got uh, ahead. Booker, I've got at 19. My bad. Don't know what I said there. Um, Booker's there at 19. Uh, Number 18 is Cade Cunningham. Again, I really believe in Cade. Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe he just is a bad shooter consistently. I'm really big on him, though. 17 is Sabonis, and 16 is Don Mitchell for head-to-head. In terms of tiering these guys, I've got um, Cade, Mitchell, Sabonis, all uh, Booker, all in the same tier, along with the guy who comes in at number 15, Kyrie Irving, all in a tier five area. Number 14 and 13 are two Anthonys, Edwards and Davis again, they're all in the same tier along with um, Durant and Trey Young. As you'll notice, a lot of my metrics are, f- are really pushing Trey Young. Same with the Mellow Ball. Getting those high end assists, getting some threes, getting high level scoring, getting good free throws is pretty important. And that's all boosting those guys up. So we've got Anthony Edwards, 14, Davis, 13, Durant, 12, Trey, 11. You don't have to take Trey there. You just, you're never going to do it. Right, but that is just giving an indication to me where his ADP sits at 23, his fan track sits at 17, that when you're getting him mid-second, late-second, I think you're extracting a little bit of value out of that. I think some of the Trey Young hate has maybe gone a little far. Number 10 is Giannis in a head-to-head league. 
yes, we can discount some of his free throw stuff, all of his free throw stuff in a head-to-head format. I worry again a little bit about his um, injury here, of course, and the yeah, how much how much faith do I have in his defensive numbers rocketing back up? I have a little bit of faith, but I'm not fully buying in on that. I've got Lillard at nine, but I'd probably at this point with the uncertainty around Lillard, I'd take Giannis ahead of him. But I just don't know what Lillard's going to do. I've got Steph at eight, Tatum at seven, and Doncic at six. Doncic's at six. Remembering that my projections are very, very much loving. Very much loving. I think I lost completely where I was at then. Um, yeah, my projections are very much loving where LaMelo Ball sits. And again, you might tell me what he was ranked last season, but always remember, what do those rankings take into consideration? Do you believe in that system fully? Because I don't. I don't fully believe in my system yet either because I need to see how it plays out. But I want to do a little bit of just to, just to you know, not play the field, but give, give an alternate example on this stuff. Steph at eight, Tatum at seven, Doncic at six. Again, Tatum is probably never going to be this high per game, but there is a level of reliability. And Doncic, you can go higher than this. Got no problem. Really, I don't think there's a gigantic difference between a, a lot of these guys here. I do have Doncic, Tatum, Curry, Lillard, Giannis all in the um, all in the same tier. Actually, I've got Lamelo in that same tier uh, as well. So Lamelo does come in at five. You don't take him there, absolutely don't. But I am expecting a pretty big season for Lamelo in year four. He's got an unbelievable fantasy skill set. He has an ADP currently at 13, 17 on ESPN. I think he's got a real chance to blow up. Remember, no one was talking about Shea in this area um, last season or even Davis getting back to this area or a lot of people weren't. Some people were talking about Halliburton, but not everyone was talking about Halliburton. Things change. All right, so I've got Ball at five, Shea at four. I've got Embiid at three, and I've got Halliburton at two, which I didn't expect to see coming out of this. But he came out at two. The Durant metrics were relatively favorable on Halliburton. And, and they were pretty good on Embiid as well, but just a little bit of a... They're really close. They're all in the same tier, in fact. All these guys, Halliburton, Embiid, and Shea, all in the same tier. But I just give that slight nod, nod to Halliburton getting a level of assist there. But as you know, like if you say I don't want to go for assists, well, then him and Ball get out of there. Trey Young, drop him down 20 spots. That's how that all works. And then at number one, of course, it's the big fella. We're going to round it out with Nikola Jokic. And that's it. I beg you all just to have an open mind about what you're seeing or what you're hearing. What what do the rankings, what, what, what have they told you in the past? What do they mean? How do you approach it? Is the difference between five and six that important? No. Is the difference between seven and nine that important? Seven and 10? No, it's not. It's not. Build the team how you want to build the team. I think that's going to be the way to look at it. And that'll do it for today's show. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
I'm not. 